Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have a conversation with Greg Edwards, CEO at CryptoStopper. Greg has been a technology entrepreneur since 1998, and before Greg founded CryptoStopper, he started Axis Backup, a backup and disaster recovery company for the insurance industry. He saw firsthand the rapid increase in the damage cyber criminals were doing with debilitating malware resulting in high financial loss to vulnerable companies. In 2015, Access Backup was acquired by J2 Global, freeing Greg to create CryptoStopper and focus exclusively on cybersecurity. And in this episode, we discuss how to take a layered security approach, why you need cyber liability insurance, and some of the myths about ransomware that still exists today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Greg. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. Oh yeah, I am really looking forward to having this conversation. It's it's about one of my favorite topics. Not that I don't hear it every day, and I'm sure the Gumbo listeners probably hear it multiple times a day since there's probably 4,000 of these events that happen often. But we'll, we'll, we'll open the can of worms and share what that is in a minute. So why don't you just maybe give the Gumbo listeners a brief rundown of yourself, your expertise, and also crypto stoppers? Absolutely. So I started as so an entrepreneur and started my career as, a, as an IT services professional. I started a managed services firm that I actually still own today. I started that in 1998 when I was 24 and have been self-employed and an wow. entrepreneur ever since. Okay. Um, I, I started a uh, offsite backup and disaster recovery company out of that managed services business in 2007 uh, and grew that into a national offsite backup company. And we were doing cloud backup and cloud recovery before before the cloud was the cloud uh, and ultimately sold that to a publicly traded company called J2 Global in 2016 and that really so the the 4000 events that you mentioned are ransomware events and that's really where my expertise lies and where where I saw at the offsite backup company was this massive rise of ransomware starting as far back as 2012 and realized that there had to be a better solution to preventing the damage of ransomware rather than just relying on recovery because we were doing 20% of our client base uh, between 2012 and 2015 was hit with ransomware attacks that required full-on recoveries. And it was more uh, more than, so during Hurricane Sandy, we did nine simultaneous recoveries, and that was back in 2012. Uh, we did nine simultaneous recoveries for companies that were on the East Coast. And we had one weekend that we did 14 simultaneous recoveries. 
Wow. From one ransomware event. That sounds exhausting. And <laughs> you, you, you said, <laughs> see, it's exciting. It's exciting to me. <laughs> you, you said Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hur- wasn't it Hurricane Sandy? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Superstorm Sandy in 2012. Yeah, I'm just. It was so many hurricanes that came through, and I, I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, for a little bit. I remember driving back from Jacksonville to Atlanta on the tail end of a hurricane. I don't know if it was that one or. Or not, but it was yeah. tons of rain. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Sandy really hit uh, New York City and New Jersey. Okay, and so that was the that was. I mean, because Florida gets hit every year, right? So oh, yeah. it's yeah. just expected. Nothing new, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Lower Manhattan was flooded. Mm. I don't remember how many feet of water, but I know one of one of our clients that was in uh, in Lower Manhattan. I mean, they evacuated from their their office building. I I think they were out for six weeks yeah. before they could go back. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um. But yeah. I mean, when I when I realized that ransomware was doing more damage than you know, natural disaster, um, hardware failures, all the reasons you normally would rely on your disaster recovery protocols uh it was becoming evident that ransomware was was the number one reason for having to rely on that and that's so it made sense for me to sell uh access backup was the offsite backup company it made sense to sell that at the time that i did and then started crypto stopper uh, specifically with the intent of of stopping ransomware mm, that's a that's a big um claim right there because that that's going to be one of my questions but let let's get into it then i appreciate you explaining you know your history i I did not know that you are a backup guy at heart and you actually ran uh, a backup company so that that uh is is really nice Uh, i i started in backup uh, a long time ago as well so i i I take my hat off to anyone who can kind of you know stay stay in that in that era of backup and protecting data, et cetera. So we can, we can exchange war stories probably a little bit later on if we still have time. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that really triggered the change for me, we would have people call uh, the offsite backup company trying to help recover from ransomware because we were doing blog articles on, you know, how to recover from ransomware and how to protect from ransomware back when, when we were, a backup and recovery company and would have people regularly call that they didn't have backups or their backups failed. That's more more often the case where their backups had failed or hadn't been running for months and they thought they were and then they got hit by a ransomware attack and yeah. were yeah, all their data was gone. Yeah, I, I've had my share of uh, working overnight where there was a, an event uh, typically Sometimes dealing with email, email, email system went down or primarily a database system uh, was corrupted or, or went down. One of the major database systems and they really needed to get that database back up. Um, and we were dealing with tapes back then. So if, if that tape that was on site wasn't a good tape or you ran into some type of hardware errors, then you had to recall a tape from, from Iron Mountain. And it took even that much more time to, to recover. 
And this this also brings me to this this thing called layered security. Can can you walk us through what that means to you? Yeah. So to me, I mean, layered security is about having that defense in depth so that if an attack or even a, a disaster um, strikes, that you have multiple ways of preventing that. And so in the sense of cybersecurity, it's having the having number one, having control of all of the assets and having an inventory that's accurate. So you know what you're protecting. It starts there. I mean, it starts, I mean, that sounds very basic and simple, but there are so many companies that don't have that under control. So to me, layered security is starting at that very basic level and then implementing the multiple layers of security that it takes to protect a company. So everything from that inventory asset to password management to endpoint detection and response, antivirus, and then all of that leads up then to your disaster recovery plan. So if all of that fails and your network is destroyed by a ransomware attack, then being able to rely on recovery and actually being able to recover. And you in the opening you you mentioned one of your missions or goals is to to stopping ransomware is is that something you still think that we can do and what what are the odds of stopping a ransomware attack and is there a way to stop it? Yeah, absolutely there is. And and speaking in terms of an individual company, it's absolutely possible to protect yourself from ransomware. So that number one, that layered security and using a product like CryptoStopper that's going to detect so that if it gets through those first layers of security, CryptoStopper, what it does is it's actively watching for running ransomware attacks and detects and takes action and stops that attack in less than a second. So almost entirely minimizing the damage of an attack so that you don't have to go to backup. But then beyond that, so stopping it within one company Mm -hmm. is absolutely possible. Stopping it globally is a much more difficult task, but also something that if we take the profitability away from those attackers, then that's going to stop the ransomware attack. So that can be done in multiple ways from companies protecting themselves, which I don't see that. I mean, that's, I, I've been screaming better protection and layered security for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 10 years now. And and companies are, are finally listening and I think changing their ways, but it's going to be another 10 years for that to happen. So, and won't ever be the case where companies are complete, you know, across the board and across the world, protecting themselves in the way that they should. So then the other way of stopping ransomware has to happen at a a governmental level Mm -hmm. and primarily relations between the U.S., Russia, and China. Yeah, good luck Uh, with that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's beyond my control, but i I certainly hope that we can get back on the right track and and have better relations with with Russia and China. Yeah. And what are some of the ways that gumbo listeners can detect ransomware? I know that there are different technologies that 
that or third party tools, you know, maybe like uh, Crypto Stopper, like what are some of the other ways of like detecting ransomware? Yeah, so really without a tool like Crypto Stopper, um, it's very difficult once an attack gets through. So the traditional methods of having up-to-date antivirus and having patching vulnerabilities, that's the number one way. Going beyond that would be endpoint detection and response, so advanced AI-powered solutions that are watching for indicators of compromise and then alerting on the problem. The problem with the advanced endpoint detection and response is that most of those solutions don't have a triggering mechanism to take automated automated action. It takes, it creates an alert, but then that alert needs to be followed up on by a human. And even if that's 15 minutes later, it's, it's too late. So, and what type of so, action? What type of action should it take? So, killing the process. I mean, that's the number one thing. If the system and the way that Crypto Stopper works, it at a workstation level, it identifies the process that's running the ransomware and kills that process, and then also isolates that machine from the rest of the network. If it's happening at a network level then it will identify, again, identify that patient zero machine, and it won't stop the process at that point, but it'll isolate that machine again. Okay. And stop it from from spreading across the rest of the network. Got it. Yeah. And I, I've, I've also heard, too, just over the last year or so, I think right after the, the pandemic, you know, ransomware has, hasn't stopped. It's only, it's on the rise. And so I've been seeing things about cyber insurance and the rules changing with cyber insurance. And I'm not sure all the ins and outs and details of, of uh, cyber insurance and when you would invoke uh, like the insurance and, and all of that. Do you have any, any details on like, do you recommend it or yeah, is, so, that, is that a good thing? So, well, it's a good and bad thing. <laughs> it's double edged mm. sword here. Okay. Um, so definitely recommend cyber liability insurance. And the things that have changed with cyber liability insurance is the individual limits within that policy. So you may go and buy uh, what you think is a $5 million liability limit, but then there'll be individual limitations on specific differing kinds of attack. And so they may limit, I've seen ones that limit ransomware payments, so the ransom payment to $25,000, average ransom payment in 2021 was $800,000. Whoa. So, <laughs> wow. so that's 25000 is not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you really have to look at what are those individual liability limits within the policy. Okay. And I know ransomware gets pretty sophisticated. There's just like you and I, we we have our day jobs. I mean, the ransomware bad guys, they that's their day job, right? They they do it around the clock and they have call centers. And I mean, they, they have networks that they're working together and they're constantly creating. Are you seeing more strands of different types of ransomware or are they attacking with the same ones? 
so again, combination of all of that. So more and more differing variants, but then also seeing these very specialized organizations and really they're really running them like businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, where you, you say it's their day job, it's, it is their job and that's what they do. And, and in Russia, uh, it has never been illegal for a Russian citizen or even, you know, set up as a, as a corporation company in Russia to attack companies as long as they're not in Russia. So hundred percent legal when, yeah, when you think about it in those terms, it, it's really, they're running it as a business and it's a legal business. So it makes sense. And if they can, if they can very easily steal millions of dollars, they're going to do it. And I, I remember the LogForge, or some people say Log4j vulnerability. You know, how horrible was that? Is, are there still, like, fallout and ramifications of that? Oh, yeah. Actually, when that, when that first came out, it came out on a Thursday. I don't remember the specific date, but I predicted that it was, it was going to be the largest vulnerability and cybersecurity causing event in history. I don't know that it's played out completely that way, but it really, I mean, the log4j vulnerability allowed attackers to completely take over a server remotely without any credentials. When you look at it any end across hundreds of thousands of implementations. So I, I think the really the thing that made log4j not nearly as bad was because people did take it so seriously okay and people updated almost immediately Mm, okay got it people that don't have good inventories of their system and had tools out there that had the log4j vulnerability and didn't even know it and still do today and we continue to see the fallout from it Hmm. okay and are are there any other things that can maybe limit or prevent ransomware from happening things like you know MFA multi-factor authentication and some of the zero trust you know technology and architecture that's out there and even immutability yeah are, are those things that also help help out absolutely and that's all that all goes back to that layered security model so multi-factor authentication implementing that across the board and then one thing that people don't do with MFA is then audit it. So what happens within IT departments is that they'll have a big project to say implement multi-factor authentication across Office 365, but then they don't go back and audit it on any kind of regular frequency and you will have admins that'll go in and for whatever reason turn off multi-factor authentication or you have new users that come on that it doesn't get enabled on. So so going back and auditing it and making sure that it's still on across the board that absolutely can help to prevent ransomware attacks because one of the ways that the attackers get in is through compromised credentials. So rather than these attackers just breaking in and stealing data, they will break in, steal the data, and encrypt the data. And so then they'll ransom 
companies, both sides of saying, we'll give you access back to your data, but if you have if you have backup and you go ahead and recover, then you still got to pay us because if you don't, then we'll release all of this data on the dark web. Right. Yeah. And I've seen as well that when an attacker gets in, it's it's not an immediate thing. There's some reconnaissance that they are kind of hanging around and looking for the, the crown jewels. And I, I think I saw anywhere from like 90 days to six months. I mean, they are not in any hurry to, you know, determine, you know, what type of data that you have and, you know, just how, how they could utilize that information against you. Yeah. So that, so that average, um, that average time that an attacker is on a system before they're detected, um, that actually is coming down. Um, okay. It was, so the average in 2020 was 203 days, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's that, almost a year. <laughs> yeah, it's almost a year. It's nine months. Um, and so that that has come down, um, and it's come down because they are still doing that reconnaissance. They're figuring out, but they've, they've learned to do that much more quickly and then unleash their attack much more quickly so that they're not detected and kicked out. And we, we used to hear ransomware a lot. I mean, I would turn on the TV and you, you would actually hear them talking about it. And, and the, the White House uh, also started talking about it and implementing these different cybersecurity laws and, and different things about it. Like, what, what are some of the things that, that people think are true about ransomware? Maybe some myths about ransomware that, that you would like to debunk right now? Well, I mean, so number one being, if you pay the ransom, you're going to get your data back. I, I don't know that that's mm-hmm. ever necessarily been a, a myth because yeah. uh, it it actually, over the the evolution of ransomware, that got much better in that if you paid, you would get your data back. And really what I would, what I would recommend in that scenario where it gets down to you, you do absolutely have to pay the ransom for whatever reason. I don't recommend it, but sometimes you have to, that you use a broker that knows these ransomware attackers and can help to ensure that if you do pay, that they can prove that they can unencrypt the data and that you'll actually get it back. Man, that that's a that's a scary job. A a ransomware broker. <laughs> I guess you have to you have to sit in both worlds, the, the the dark dark net world and sit in the real world. I mean that's that's something I never thought about that they that they may have individuals that are able to negotiate on your behalf to talk to the bad guys and, and determine, you know, hey, instead of paying Two million. Let's can we negotiate down to only you know maybe six hundred thousand and and here's why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. So I think if, moving on to other myths, the the one that gets me the most is companies that will say we're too small. Why Why would they attack us? And it. I, I mean, I've seen I've seen everything from one individual you know, not even a business, just individuals being yeah. ransomed to tiny little companies being ransomed to colonial pipeline being ransomed. So yeah, right. it's 
being small and being anonymous does not protect you from these attackers. Never thought about that, but I, I did know that you, you can actually get an attack through through your, your mobile device as, as well. I'm not quite sure if it's a ransomware attack or what type of attack it is, but I, I did think I, I, I heard about individuals getting getting ransomed through their, their mobile devices also. Yeah, locking their locking their phones up entirely. Mm-hmm. And it, the the majority, the vast majority of ransomware attacks happen on Windows servers and Windows mm. desktops. And mm-hmm. 97% of ransomware attacks are against Windows machines. There definitely are ones that happen on mobile devices, but the vast majority are on on Windows desktops and Windows servers, which is what are in most U.S. and international businesses. And is that also because people don't necessarily keep their Windows platforms like with the latest patch and I mean, the latest patch? Well, yes. But the other reason behind that is that the Windows machines are just they're they're more vulnerable than Macs. Uh, and more vulnerable than pho- the phone systems, whether it's iOS or um, even Android, has gotten better because the the thing that that iOS does is it it forces the updates much more regularly, and so those machines don't fall behind. And the vetting process within the Mac ecosystem versus the Windows ecosystem is very different for applications that can run. And so that's that's where the introduction of malware, which is what, what ransomware is, it's malware really has evolved to now being almost all all ransomware that is malware. Yeah, got it. Yeah. And I, re- I remember the, the pandemic and uh, maybe we're still in it, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's not quite over yet. But I remember this whole work from home thing and Zoom. Their their uh, sales kind of uh, like blew out everybody, and they made all of this money because everyone started virtual virtual meetings and calls. And so now Zoom was riding high on the hog. Uh, but working from home also did something else, and and that was increase the amount of attacks that that were happening what what are some of the 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 things that you have seen just as a fallout from from working from home yeah i mean so one glaring example and this is a ransomware attack that happened to a company that didn't have crypto stopper but contacted us after the fact their general manager took a laptop home to work which makes sense and his wi-fi wasn't working well so he plugged it in with ethernet and what he ended up what we found out what happened was he plugged it in directly to a switch that bypassed his firewall Mm -hmm. and so he he got a public ip address wide open yeah and he was wide open and so then was attacked through RDP, through brute force attack, because it didn't have the right systems in place to detect a brute force attack. Once they were in, then then used remote desktop from that PC back into the corporate office and then ran, ran a ransomware attack against their server and locked all of their data. That is so unfortunate. And it 
it always seems to stem from education, right? And we, we, we're, we're thinking we're doing the right thing, but when you're talking the world of, you know, digital transformation and how everything is digital nowadays, you don't know what you don't know. And kind of being informed and educated about, you know, the, the, the do's and don'ts and, you know, don't click on this, this link. And if you don't know this person, don't open this file and no one can know it all. Right. So <laughs> I, it's just a sad story to hear that that happened. And I'm sure that that guy thought he was doing the right thing, but that's just how, how dangerous of a world that we live in right now when it comes to, to data and uh, data being, being stolen. Right. And that, you know, that one example is one of thousands of differing ways that work from home. I mean, when you take those PCs out of the corporate environment and out from behind the firewall and you just send them home and companies were, you know, taking here, pick up your desktop and go plug this in at home. <laughs> and there's no there's no way that IT departments were able to track and monitor all of that properly when it's okay we're we're going to do this tomorrow so that's that was the primary reason for the rise of of the attacks after the pandemic and maybe one or two more questions for you so also i guess what what advice, like if there was one thing that you could tell a, a CIO uh, today about ransomware, what, what would that be? So that one thing would be, <laughs> this is going to be self-promotional, but install CryptoStopper. Have, have <laughs> a system that's going to detect an actively running ransomware that gets through the other defenses because it's going to happen and be able to detect and stop that attack so that you don't have to go to backup because going to backup as you know from being being in the backup world um it's <clears throat> it rarely works in the whether it's tabletop exercises or full-on recovery tests it rarely works as as you expect it to i, I agree with that and it's it's gotten better so you, you have to give backup some some type of props. Uh, absolutely. It used absolutely. to be really horrible. It used to be time <laughs> consuming and like really, 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 really horrible. But, you know, backup, you know, it, it can be a very effective strategy now. And there are, you know, different solutions out there that you can you can use to help if the, the first line of defense um, doesn't work. So yeah, it's still a great great way to to uh, actually go about you know recovering from one of those events. Um, also, something else are, are you are you a reader? Are you reading any interesting books right now? Maybe you could recommend. Uh, so I'm actually reading the biography of uh, George Washington. Mm. So I would definitely recommend it. Okay. Um, very very interesting. I'm actually going to Washington D.C. for a conference. Uh, starting this weekend, so going to go to Mount Vernon and mm -hmm. and uh, relive that history. G give us one takeaway about George Washington. George, wow, one takeaway from George Washington. <laughs> so, uh, I would say the the one thing is just persistence. That mm. George Washington was a very persistent man and wow. never gave up. Okay. 
Yeah, well, you, you've heard it, Gumbo listeners. Be, be persistent if you want to uh, achieve or maybe even stop ransomware, right? Just be, be super persistent with your education, with your, your updates and making sure that you, you have those tools in place to detect things such as ransomware and to, to keep your environment safe. So it's definitely been a pleasure to have you on the Gumbo, Greg, and I guess we will probably have you on again in the future because ransomware is, is still probably going to be around. I would, I would say so. I'd love to be on again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.